Philippians chapter 2. As we continue in our theme of abiding in Christ and continuing with Him, we will look at developing the mind of Christ today. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to pick up reading. Uh, Actually, let's start in verse 1 and we'll read down through uh, probably verse 8. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, we do thank you for our Savior, Lord, that he would come and, and take our place. Father, we do, uh, Lord, thank you for this week as we've celebrated the 43 years of your goodness, Lord, and your blessing upon this ministry. And uh, Father, we just pray that you continue to bless our church. Lord, help us to honor you uh, with our lives. And Lord, that you would just use this church to reach souls for Christ. And uh, Father, we do uh, thank you for this hour. We ask that you would meet with us and bless your word. Lord, I pray that each one would be strengthened today to walk closer to Christ, Lord, and that we would be conformed more and more to your image. And we'll give you the glory for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So being like Christ involves thinking like him. Uh, To become like him, we must allow our minds to be molded into his mind. Uh, And this change is usually internal first. And it will eventually outwardly manifest itself, and, and we'll see those things outwardly. Uh, but we need to speak, or speak, we need to think uh, spiritually. Uh, and it sounds very basic to say that. Uh, we need to think spiritually, but there's an important reason we need to address this issue. And in Romans 8, 6 through 8 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, So it's very important that we get a hold of our minds. Uh, The carnal mind, uh, the carnal man is death, it says. That's not good, (laughs) to say the least. A man who thinks carnally, they're going to make fleshly decisions. They're going to respond in the flesh. They're going to make fleshly decisions. And uh, those decisions oftentimes will feel good at the time. They'll appear to make you happy. uh, And they will appear to satisfy you. But ultimately, uh, that is not the case. Uh, It will bring you down a path to personal destruction. uh, As we live a life that would be pleasing to the flesh. Uh, So carnal decisions destroy relationships. Uh, marriages, uh, fellowships among believers. Uh, It breaks homes apart. It hurts innocent people. 
because really it's a very selfish uh, mindset and we make decisions based on what we would want uh, rather than what is uh, honoring to God and pleasing to Him. Uh, But being spiritually minded gives us just the opposite. Uh, A man who thinks spiritually will make spiritual decisions. Uh, Decisions based on the Word of God and decisions that honor God. Uh, They're prompted by the Holy Spirit of God and they will lead them down a road uh, that provides life and peace. Uh, I might add the abundant life, uh, the blessed life. Uh, The choice would seem like a no-brainer. Right? That's simple, right? Do we want death? Do we want life? Do we want peace and, and joy? Or do we want disappointment and tragedy? But oftentimes we make the wrong choice. Uh, we make that wrong choice. And I'm sure we could go around the room and, and share some experiences uh, today that would indicate that is true. Where for whatever uh, fleshly reason we made a decision and we have to live with the consequences. And, and we know in our minds that we should have made a different decision. Uh, but we uh, responded in the flesh. And uh, <clears throat> it's not often an easy decision to make. We do war in our flesh. Uh, why is that? Uh, the mind of man and the mind of Christ are opposite. So it's different. Uh, Developing the mind of Christ is not only a matter of your thought process, but it's a matter of your heart. And so in verse 5 here, when it it, it admonishes us to let the mind of Christ, His humility, His lowliness, flow through our lives. That doesn't come naturally. Uh, That's not our desire. It's really an assault on our natural human anatomy, our desire to control our lives. Uh, Submitting to the mind of Christ goes against our nature to be our own authority. We want to be uh, the authority in our lives. Uh, But to be like Christ, you must think like he thinks. Um, Strong's here. uh, If that word let, in uh, verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through uh, strife or vain glory. Uh, This is how Strong defines it. To exercise the mind, i.e. entertain or have a sentiment or opinion by implication, to be mentally disposed more earnestly in a certain direction, intensively uh, to interest oneself in, with, or in obedience. Uh, The idea of set the affection on. Uh, And these are the things that we ought to savor, it goes on to say, and and, and to think on. But it says, let let nothing be done, or excuse me, this is verse 5, let this mind be in you. Uh, So when he says that there, he's saying we need to give attention to this. We need to make a priority of putting our mind in this. This ought to be a principal priority in our life, to have the mind of Christ. And In verse 5, there's a Greek word there in the very beginning of that verse. It's gar. Uh, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it or not. It's a conjunction. It's often used in an argument or to uh, have an intensification purpose. And so Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, is trying to emphasize the great contrast between what comes natural and what we ought to do. Look at verse uh, 4. Look not every man on his own things. That's what's natural. But Paul says, wait a minute, let this mind be in you. He kind of increases his intensity a little bit and says, not like the verse above. Uh, That comes natural and that comes normal, but I want you to let this mind be in you. 
focus on it. Make it a priority. Uh, Listen, it's not natural. (laughs) You're going to have to work at it. Uh, We must strive to have the mind of Christ. Uh, Christ is our great example. 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that we should follow his steps. The chief example that we have on how we ought to live our lives and how we ought to conduct ourselves as believers, as Christians, is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're admonished here to let his mind be in us, to make it a priority to think how he thinks. And, of course, we could go back over the last few weeks and and we talked about abiding in him and we need to continue in him and continue in his word. And as we do that, some of those things will begin to develop in our mind. But I would submit to you this morning, we also need to make a priority to specifically do that with our minds, to think on those things that honor him and and to try to have the mind of Christ. Uh, Listen, uh, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Listen, our natural desire is to exalt ourselves and to lift ourselves up. We see that with the Pharisees in the New Testament. They made broad their phylacteries. They loved the chief seats uh, when it was time to assemble in the synagogues with the people. They wanted uh, to be seen of men. And and by the way, that was their reward. They don't experience the latter part of Luke 14. It says, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If we would just humble ourselves and allow God to do the job, he'll do a far better job anyway. Uh, But that's our natural tendency to exalt ourselves. And to want to have a position of notoriety. Uh, you must allow him to dictate your thoughts, your desires, and your emotions. Uh, we need to be careful. His position, look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Uh, really to comprehend the depths of, of Christ's love and compassion, we must first understand his position as the Son of God. Uh, it is one thing for us to walk more humbly, but imagine the condensation that took place when Jesus Christ came to this earth to become a man. Oftentimes we want to be lifted up and we really have no right to be. But here is our example that brings himself low and he has all the right to be lifted. And so often we just want ourselves to be recognized by somebody. Uh, we um, We want our own office. I will never forget when I was in the Air Force um, not too long ago. Um, <clears throat> but it will, I'll never forget when I got my first office. It's like, I am the boss, finally. <laughs> and it wasn't long after that I got kicked out into the room with everyone else because somebody that outranked me showed up and they got the office. We need to be careful. Scripture speaks of that. When you choose out the chief seat, be careful because they might come and humble you. And you might get shoved down and somebody else is going to take that spot. I experienced that firsthand in my life. But that's natural for us in our flesh to desire those notable positions and those things. Uh, But that is not what we're admonished to do as Christians in Christ. Uh, The Bible tells us that Jesus is eternally preexistent Son of God. The word being there in in verse 6 is not only referencing his state in this life, but also his existence prior to the appearance in the flesh. In John 1.14, I'll I'll remind you of some things this morning that uh, many of you probably have these verses memorized, but it's a good reminder nonetheless. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of 
the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, He was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. Listen, these words are speaking of the living Word, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His existence did not begin in the manger at Bethlehem. Uh, He was preexistent. His existence was from eternity past. And I know for me, that's hard to wrap my mind around. But some of you are probably smarter than me, and you're able to articulate that a little bit better. But the reality is, I don't think we can fully understand that. He always has been and always will. And by the way, he's never going to change. I and my Father are one, Jesus said. He's the same in knowledge and power in all of God's attributes. We're talking about God himself robing himself in flesh comes to this earth. He humbled himself. Who are we to ever think to be lifted up into a position uh, really that we don't deserve and we ought not be? He's the preexistent one, but he was also God in the flesh. Uh, Being in the form of God, the word form means the outward expression of the inward nature. Uh, Jesus really was the outward expression of God. When Jesus Christ came to the earth in his flesh, he revealed God personally to all mankind. Uh, What a blessing it must have been to see God in the flesh. And to be around him and just as he conducts himself and as he makes decisions and the things that he says and how he interacts with people, what a privilege it would have been to experience that. Uh, the, The truth is, though, if we would get into God's word, we have a very good indication of all of it. Maybe not visibly seeing him interact, but boy, uh, that was a good uh, a blessing last night when he talked about that special time of fellowship that he had with the Lord and that, that landmark event he said in his life. Boy, if we would just get serious about walking with our God, maybe some of us would experience some of those. Uh, <clears throat> well, let me stop. Listen, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty of high, Hebrews 1.3, Jesus was high and lifted up, having the mind of Christ is the attitude that even though he was at the right hand of God and all the power, had all the power to create and to raise up life, he would not keep privilege for himself, but he used it for others. That's a humbling thought, that he would not keep it for himself. Others is the key word in our, ought to be the key word in our Christian vocabulary. I know there's the old acrostic for joy, Jesus, others, and yourself. uh, But the reality is oftentimes we get too focused on ourselves. uh, And we do have a lack of joy. But really our focus should be others. The Bible instructs this, that we ought to prefer one another in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. We ought to be bearing one another's burdens in Galatians chapter 2. And and we ought to be admonishing one another in Romans 15. Those are just a few examples. A Christ-like Christian thinks of others. We would do things in our lives differently because it affects others. I know in my home, I don't do certain things because it will affect my family. Do you think about others more than yourself? 
ever? Uh, we need to be careful. The, and that's regardless of the position or the status. I was meditating this morning uh, on this, this thought of having the mind of Christ, and I was just thinking about how <clears throat> Cindy is probably the greatest servant in our home. Uh, she just labors to keep the house and to make meals. I, you know, I used to come home from work, and there was just always a meal. Uh, laundry's done. Uh, the home doesn't look like a disaster area. And I have three boys, and that, it's easy to get looking like a disaster. <laughs> and I just began to think, she's such a servant. And she just labors, and she never puffs up about it. She never looks for anything. And, and I thought, ladies are better than men. Because I go to work, and I put on my, ma- well, I used to, I'm retired. I, and put on those Master Sergeant Stripes, and I'm the boss, Right? <laughs> You know, I'll never forget when I was the flight superintendent and there was 285 people that worked under me. You start to think that you're something. And now, I prayed every day in my office that that wasn't the case. And I don't say that, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I understood that I couldn't do it on my own. Man, we need to be careful. As we lead our families and we lead our homes, we are an example for them. Yes, we're the leaders of our home. We ought to be. But we ought to lead in service. We ought to demonstrate to our family what it means to be a servant and to serve others. And all I thought this morning is, how could I better serve my wife? She does so much for our family. What can I do? It's not about who's in charge. Listen, we don't have the position of Christ. We don't deserve to be high and exalted up. We're but dust. What is man that thou were mindful? And why, why would God even look upon us? Thank God that he does. Jesus used his eternal power in Godhead to rescue humanity. He didn't use his position for himself. Are you using your abilities and your position and your status in this life to serve others? The reality is we do get positions. There are promotions. And promotion comes from the Lord. and we, we have, God does allow us to get put in positions of authority in those things. Are we using those things how God intends for us to use them in our lives? Are we using those as opportunities to minister and to serve others? When you begin thinking like Christ, you will use everything at your disposal to honor God and to serve others. I believe that. Verse 7, we're going to look at his decision, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Uh, Jesus gives us the most perfect example of humility the world has ever seen. The Gospel of Luke, of course, we know in other parts of the Bible, but Luke one thirty-five that he... Uh, allowed himself to be robed in flesh and to be conceived of a virgin, uh, to conceive of the Holy Ghost, the Word of God tells us, and he was born in a lowly stable to the family of a carpenter. Not the mayor, uh, not the king, not a prince, but he is the son of a carpenter. And he chose to do so. He made himself of no reputation. He didn't come down gloating about who he was. 
and how we ought to exalt and worship, even though he deserved that. But he chose and made a decision to humble himself. Uh, he knew how he would be born. He understood that. He, he knew that he would leave the splendor of heaven really for a simple upbringing. Uh, very simple. He had the right and, and the authority to be born as the king of kings, to be wrapped in the finest linens, born in the finest hospital of the day, but that's not what he chose. He chose a carpenter's family to be born in a manger. Listen, he was due, yet he made a choice to be of no reputation and to be made in the likeness of men. That did not reduce his deity, don't misunderstand me, but he, he restrained it so that he could accomplish what God was having him do, the Father. The central message really of Ephesians 2 and 5 through 8, the way up is down. Uh, if you want to be exalted and lifted up, you've got to go down. You need to serve. Uh, in the Christian life, we must descend into the greatness. Uh, be willing to descend and to serve. We must come to the place where we say, Lord, help me to become more like you. That's what he was. So if you want to be like Christ, if you want to have the mind of Christ, you need to humble yourself. You need to make a decision that you're going to serve. Uh, listen, toilets need cleaned. And you're not less of a person if you clean them. I'll never forget. I don't know why I have so many military illustrations. When I got assigned here, we got here in 2017, and it was pretty cold like this, December 1st. I signed in to Ellsworth, and we got here, and I, I, would, I took over the structure shop uh, day one immediately. There was another master sergeant, but I outranked him, and, and uh, they, again, I took his office. But So uh, I, I got the office. That, I didn't even think about that, but... Um, so I took over the shop, and, it, and Friday afternoons is shop cleanup time. And the, the shop here is a little bit different than most places I've been. It's a longer facility, and all of the shops in the CE operations flight are in one facility, and there's only two restrooms. Uh, there's one that was far down near the electric shop and the power production shop, and then there's one right by structures and, and HVAC and those guys, and, and there's other shops within there. But it was Friday, and... And I was pretty new. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. And I went and started cleaning the bathroom. And some of the young airmen came in. Sergeant McCarthy, what are you doing in here? I said, I'm cleaning the sink and the toilet. And they said, wait, we got this. Don't, you don't have to worry about this. I'm, like, I'm not busy. I can, I can do this. And they said, we've never seen a senior NCO do this. And it blew my mind because they even talk about servant leadership in the Air Force. Now, they don't understand it like we understand it. Uh, they're basically trying to steal a principle from God's word without acknowledging it's God's principle. But anyway, um, and I was just doing what needed to be done. I wasn't, and of course I didn't, I told him get out, you know, and I'll finish cleaning it. But um, listen, we need to be willing to serve regardless of our position. And if you think you have a position and you're making note of your position, you're probably not the right person for the position. Jesus' example teaches that greatness is not measured by self-will, but by self-abandonment. It's not what you want and what you desire, but you need to let those things go. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. 
Again, allow God to do the lifting. Allow God to do the work. Jesus' example of humility is just a tremendous challenge to us. We deserve to do the lowest things. So it's reasonable that we would do those things. And his example of just humbling himself is just amazing. So as you seek to become more like Christ, you should not worry about how you are being perceived. Sometimes we're more concerned about how people view us and our status and our, in our position in society. We should focus on being an effective servant for the Savior. I think we'd all be a lot better off if that was our focus. We weren't concerned with what people thought about us and, and how things were taking place in our life. We would, uh, listen, we were, uh, let, me, let me calm down here. He took the form of a servant. That's not common in our day of upward mobility, climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, there's a term in the military, up or out. Uh, if you don't get promoted, they're gonna, you're just going to get separated at some point. Uh, you got to get promoted. And uh, that's just not common in our day. Everybody wants to move up. But we, as Christians, need to have a downward mobility. And God will take care of it in the end. He can take and give us a reward beyond anything that we can imagine or think. Do you, when I got married, Cindy and I had to do some counseling before we were married, and uh, the pastor at the time, one of the things that has made the best impact in our marriage that I can ever, I mean, we talk about all kinds of stuff in marriage counseling, and as a young guy, I'll be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I'm just, I need, this is a box I need to check so I can get married. <laughs> So I went to the counseling appointments and I did all those things that were required because I was just trying to be with my wife. Uh, you know, I was ready to settle down and, and uh, move on in life. But nonetheless, I attended these counseling sessions. But one of the things he told us, if you both will serve one another, you'll meet each other's needs and it will resolve so much trouble. And I'll never forget that. And every time when we've had struggles in our marriage, one of us, usually me, has branched away from that and we've got some other expectation and we've given up our responsibility to serve. How would our marriages and our homes be transformed if we would just have the mindset of Christ that we would serve one another? I think it would change workplaces, homes for sure, and I think it would transform our church if we were just here serving one another, laboring to meet each other's needs. Lord, help me to take on the form of a servant today. Is that your prayer? Are you willing to do the task that no one else wants to do? the unpopular things, maybe the disgusting things, the gross things, those things that aren't notable. Listen, God will bless a humble servant every time without fail. We see a great illustration of this in, in John chapter 13 when Jesus washes the, uh, the disciples' feet and, 
based on time, we don't... We, ah, ah. Well, let's see where we can get here. He really exemplified what it means to empty yourself and to serve others with humility. Something that would not be done usually by the average person in a home. They would pay people or they would have servants to do those things. But Christ in John 13, 3-5, the Word of God says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from God and went to God, He riseth from supper and laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. After that, He poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. Knowing He was going to leave those disciples soon and he kneels down to wash their feet and he shows his followers what it means to be a true servant of God. And he instructs the disciples to do likewise. Is that your attitude? That you would humble yourself and do those things that traditionally aren't done by maybe somebody of your status or position? You think that you're above those things? Listen this morning, are you willing to expend, be expended for his cause and his concern for others? Ministry can be hard. It costs. There's sacrifice. Here's an illustration for you. A pastor challenged the men of his church, and yes, I am picking on you this morning, men. I can relate to you better than women. I just... Um, <laughs> But a pastor challenged the men of his church to be more involved in service. He noticed that the ladies were doing the majority of the work, and while, he was, while this was wonderful, he wanted more of his men to become leaders in the church. During one of his messages, he said, I'm afraid some of you are taking the words of the song, Take My Life and Let It Be, and changing them to Take My Wife and Let Me Be. Every church that I've been in, there's never been a lack of women serving. But there have been places where there was a very visible and obvious lack of men serving. Man, we need to step up. If we want to fix our homes, if we want to fix our churches, if we want to fix our nation, our community, if we want to reach Rapid City, we need to step up and become servants. And begin doing those things that we always expect others to do. Listen, Christ humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant. And he humbled himself. I think I said this earlier. It was the greatest act of condescension the world has ever seen. God himself became a servant. The creator of everything, the king of kings, the lord of lords, came to serve. His position at the right hand of the Father to come dwell on earth with the lowliest of mankind, he forsook. And we don't have time this morning, but we're going to talk about his passion and why did he do it. And I'll just sum it up in this. He did, came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for us. <clears throat> he was obedient. <laughs> he came to save a fallen race. 
that they might be reconciled to God. Obedient, obedient unto death, the Word of God tells us. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Listen, we have a hard time being obedient and just reading the Bible. Uh, Being faithful to church. And our example is obedient unto death. The death of the cross. I don't think we can fully comprehend what Jesus was facing as he prayed this prayer. Facing death. The punishment of all sin on him. As he prepared to go to the cross. It was no doubt not just the physical pain, but the burden of all of that overwhelming separation from his father. As God dealt with sin. Listen, but he was obedient. Again, it was a decision. He humbled himself and he came. Because his passion was you and I. He he died on the cross for you and I. He made himself obedient unto death. He voluntarily did on the cross or died on the cross for our sins. He was so passionate about saving you that he gave his own life. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. His blood was shed on the cross and it was not the sinful Adamic bloodline that we have, but it was the blood of God that was shed for our sins. But God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He did it for, because of his great love for us. Many times people are willing to serve others if it doesn't cost them anything. Or because it's convenient. That's not the example of service we have in our Savior. It cost him everything. And he was still willing and obedient. And it, you know, when we get frustrated because the preacher steps on our toes with a little preaching or something, I ain't going back to that place. We get frustrated about the silliest things because somebody didn't recognize our position. Don't disrespect me. I can't believe I get so sick of hearing that when I was in the Air Force. I'm about to disrespect you. but you know. There was a missionary in Brazil, and he saw uh, some jewelry stand in a marketplace thing hanging there, and it said, cheap crosses. And as the missionary thought about that, he said, there is no cheap cross. Listen, we are charged to take up our cross and follow him. There will be trials. There will be challenges. There will be difficulties. Have you chosen to be a servant? Listen, we all have a passion. Maybe it's football, sports, hunting, fishing. Ladies like shopping, I guess. I don't know what else they like. Um, but I, Some ladies are probably better shooters and hunters than men. But um, <clears throat> Listen this morning. Are, are you choosing to have the mind of Christ? Are you putting effort into the mind of Christ in your life and being a servant to others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, we do thank you for Christ and his supreme example. And Father, I pray that we would strive to serve others like he did. And I pray now, Lord, that you bless as we go into the morning hour. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. 
Lord, to gather this morning and to celebrate your goodness and, and Lord, the faithfulness of your people that have allowed this church to remain here for 43 years. And Father, now we pray that you would meet with us, bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would fill this place with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would do work in each and every heart to draw the, uh, each one to yourself. Lord, I pray that the Christians would be challenged, convicted where needed, and Lord, that the lost would be saved today. And Lord, we just desire to give you all the glory for it and the thanks for what you've done here. And we just pray one more time that you would meet with us in a special way as we gather together to glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.